0: hi everyone and welcome to the special simulcast of the neil haley show media giant effect with celebrity interviews live from the grotto with greg hannah greg how are you what's going on man and you know uh my guest today our guest today is exciting right because we grew up watching her.
1: <laughs> you know i was so thrilled when you sent me that very I, excited to do this interview yeah
0: yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's the uh, The way This industry, it's so amazing, and a number of 9,000 plus interviews, stories, and different things, but I'm excited to welcome the program. Eileen Graff, we all know her from Mr. Belvedere's days, and also on Grease, and musician, Grammy nominated. I never knew all those things, Eileen. Thanks for stopping by, because we just remember you. It's your one role in Mr. Belvedere, but a lot of people sometimes don't know that story, right, of everything else that you did.
2: Well, you know, you find that when you scratch the surface of a lot of people that are on TV, that we get to know people for one special role. And then when you look a little deeper, you realize, well, they had many years of experience. They were on the stage where they learned their craft and uh, you go to one audition and your life changes and suddenly everything else you ever did, nobody's ever heard of. So it's fun to do shows like this, where we can talk about what it takes to get where you are And, um, and to meet people like you who enjoyed the show when you were kids.
0: Exactly. So Greg, I want you, I know you have tons of questions for Eileen. So go ahead.
1: (laughs) You you know, I do. Well, fantastic. It's such an honor to meet you. Thanks for being on. Um, So how did you get started? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to, like, get into this and showbiz and all that stuff? And how did it happen? (laughs)
2: Well, I grew up in show business. My dad was a singer. He had a successful vocal group in the fifties and the sixties. And york he sang on lots of jingles and records and stuff like that. So um, I grew up in the business, never really as a kid thinking I would go into it. I was suited for it. I could sing, I sang in tune. I. I had a certain skill set that you get, you know, by osmosis when you're in, (laughs) when your family is in a business, Um, but I didn't really uh, entertain the thought of going into it professionally until the very end of high school, when I did my first musical in high school, which was Once Upon a Mattress, and I just loved it. I mean, I always loved singing. I was always in the glee club and the folk singing club and all of that, but there was something about being in a musical that just... Oh, my gosh, this is great. So um, when I went to college, I was a drama major. And so I wasn't one of those kids who from you know the age of five said, I'm going to be in show business. That wasn't like it for me. And maybe it's because it was the family business.
0: Wow. And it's it's that thing. And you figure out what you love to do. So this is mm-hmm. what you love to do, right? And that's why you said, yeah. I'm going to do it.
2: Yeah, very lucky to be able to do what you love to do. As you know, you're sitting here. Chatting with people that, that you've always wanted to meet and uh what a what a joyous thing it is to have in your I paid,
0: life. I and I get and I get paid for it. So, you know, go figure the the, <laughs> the thing, the thing that the, I'm living the dream. Exactly. When I was a professional wrestler, I had the same thing. I, I live the dream. When you get to do something in entertainment and you get paid for something you enjoy, it's it's what a feeling.
2: Yeah, it's it's the greatest. I, I have I cannot contradict you on that at all. <laughs>
1: Well, that's amazing. I'm just going to just say real quick, you, you know, I'm by osmosis, you know, my my dad was an electrical engineer. He built one of the very first microcomputers, like, back in the early, early 70s. And I used to hang out with him when he did that. And, you know, I'm a top cybersecurity and computer expert. And that just kind of came in as well. It, and I love what I do. And it's like playing. So I can't believe I get paid to play, you know.
2: Yeah. But Hanging out in you, the grotto. What, what you do has changed all of our lives uh, we would never be sitting here like this without the work that your dad did and the work that you continue to do and i think it's important that we all keep what we do um, in proportion and say entertainment is super duper important i think that entertainment became incredibly important to our country during the pandemic when we were all sitting on our couches 20 hours a day watching tv um, but what your family did literally changed our everyday life so that we can communicate like this, so that we have the world in the in the palm of our hand. And uh, thank you to your dad for for doing that for us.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So what, what big project are you working on right now?
2: Oh, right now I am preparing for my holiday show in New York at 54 Below. That's going to be on December 28th at 9.30 p.m. We were supposed to do it last year, and uh, we got we were at the club. We did our band rehearsal. We did our sound check. I was ready to go put my eyelashes on. And they said, um, your show is canceled tonight because we've got people who work here who have COVID. Oh. So we all oh. went home so dejected and so very sad and um so we booked the show again for this year and i have great faith and hope and i know we're we're going to be able to do the show this year so it's going to have an extra special meaning for for all of us so it's going to be me my husband ben lanceroni is our musical director i've got wonderful special guests lori tanchin who you may not know her name but you certainly know her from Orange is the New Black and she plays Grandma on Nora as Aquafina from Queens and John Miller, who is with me on Broadway in I Love My Wife and and my husband and my daughter, Nika graf Lanzaroni, who's also a fabulous performer, she's going to be one of my guests, so that's wow. what I'm on in my brain. <laughs> Uh, getting that organized uh, for December twenty
0: eighth. I can't believe you're thinking about this. Year's almost over, and then that, it's another year. You know, it just flies by, and I can't what believe today's November first. <laughs> it's like, whoa! I remember. Well, wasn't it December of last year? You know, it's just, everything is so fast. Now, talking about Broadway and being part of Broadway, what does that experience bring to you compared to Mr. Belvedere? Because again, Broadway, you have to perform so many shows. They're a very loyal audience that just comes from all over the world to see you and perform a role like you performed in Greece. Kind of explain, was that more of a dream that came true than Mr. Belvedere?
2: At different points in your life, I think you might agree you have different dreams. And to be able to be in a Broadway show is for, I would say if not most, almost most uh, performers, is something that you always want to have happen. There's just, it It kind of doesn't matter how famous you are as a movie star, how much money you have, or whatever. There's something about being in a Broadway show that kind of completes you in a way and gives you a stamp of legitimacy. Uh, I don't know, that, but that might be stating it way too big. <laughs> but, um, as uh, as I was in my 20s when I did Broadway shows and it just felt to me like the next step of, of what I did. I trained for it, I was ready for it, I wanted to do it and there I was on Broadway. I did three Broadway shows and it's fantastic. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's eight shows a week and you've got to give 100% eight shows a week because like you said, you got people coming from all over the world to come and see your show. And they don't know that you're having an allergy attack or that your foot hurts or that you just didn't get another job and you're sad or you broke up with your boyfriend. Your job is to give them 100%. So that's, that's a lot. And it's, it's great. The Broadway community is like no other, like no other. And then being on TV is, is really different. First of all, the workload is not the same. So. You move at I mean, TV works at a very fast pace, but it's a slower pace than Broadway. And you reach millions and millions and millions and millions of people. So you have a responsibility to those millions of people also to do your best. And uh, both are very gratifying ways of working, I felt.
1: Yeah. Well wow, cool. Who, who's your favorite actor or actress that you worked with?
2: that I worked with.
1: Huh.
2: Oh, my gosh, how can you even ask that question? <laughs> Gonna have hundreds of people furious with me. If I don't mention that, right? <laughs> it's just
1: between us. We won't tell anyone.
2: <laughs> I, I, I loved and adored my TV family. Um, when you're on a long running show, like we were so lucky to have on Mr. Belvedere. I mean, Bob Euchre never felt like my husband, but he felt like, but our relationship was so very special and I adored working with him. He was so funny, so fast, so warm and loving. And he and Christopher Hewitt created such a, a a comfortable set that where we could be ourselves and, and, and do what we, what we intended to do, which was make people laugh and make them think just a little bit. And my Broadway grease family, uh is still close so i loved working with i mean i worked with 11 danny zuccos on broadway you know (laughs) there was one john travolta in the movie but i worked with john when he was a kid and he didn't even play danny Zuko on broadway in the show he he was Uh in a different role so um i'm not going to say any specific people i'm going to say i have been very lucky to work with some great folks
0: (laughs) and it's just you bring up the tv And then also the other, that John Travolta fact is amazing to think about, right? That, you know, he became synonymous for Grease in the movies, and yet you performed with him before that. I mean, did you know there was something special for John when you worked with him? That he was, you know, because even think about, you know, it's kind of a story, right? A story behind the story of, you know, another movie he was in where he's looking to learn to perform. So what did you see out of him? he
2: came um he was not in the Broadway company he was in the national tour playing duty, which I think in the movie isn't really even a role. They sort of mushed things around a little bit for the movie and created different characters um he was a he was just he was lighter than air he was sweetness embodiedment i mean if there was sweetness, it was john he was. Uh, those big blue eyes and just so nice and very talented, very, very talented. He would come into our company. If our, the guy who was playing our duty was on vacation or we needed him to come in and fill in. Uh, so when he got his first, his TV success on Cotter, it was like, well, look at that John. Him. Great. we had no idea he was going to become a superstar you don't know you were everybody's talented and and to find the person who has that chemistry with the camera you may not you may not know which one of us it was going to happen for but man it happened for him and, it's, and he's still so sweet and just couldn't be happier for him we were all just rooting for him and thrilled for him
0: yeah, you all, we all forget about Welcome Back, Carter, and how yeah. that, I mean, I love that show. Oh, my goodness. I'm there, sure. wouldn't
2: have been, there wouldn't have been John playing Zuko in the movie if he hadn't done Cotter, because he really proved, he proved he was magic on screen during Cotter, and became the, one of the breakout stars of Cotter, so it gave him um, substance, and, and uh, he was, he, it showed that he was qualified, you know, he was, the camera loves him. And that's what happened in Cotter.
1: Totally. Vinny Barbarino. I love that. That right, was funny. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Eileen, I have a, I have a question that we, we kind of started asking this, like, last four interviews. It, it's something that Neil got me into. And so here goes. Do you do any impressions of anyone? And if so, what's your favorite? And would you do a little bit?
2: I, I, I failed this question. I, I You can just put a big fat F next to me with this question, because impressions are something I have never done. Um, really? My, my, That's my wow. family No, it just doesn't come up. My family says I do Carol Channing and I say I would never do this in front of anybody except you guys. And um, it, there are some people that just are so good at it. They have a great ear, and their faces are elastic and they can do that stuff. But, um, I think we have to move on to another question. So
0: See, <laughs> I, I, I you. failed you, I'm, you. I'm sorry. No, no, you can fail, that's, okay. that's, that's, we like that. And that's a great question Greg's asking. I guess Greg wants to do impressions then. I guess he wants to be impressionist then. You know, we've had some <laughs> of the greatest impressionists on the show lately. So he's like, well, can everyone do it? I guarantee yes. she can. If we were gonna do improv right now, like, you know, whose line is it anyways? You would be able to do it, trust me. You would yeah. be able to say, play Thank a character right now and i've interviewed one of them from whose line and it was hilarious and we did a a deal where i i was a professional wrestler and he was a wrestler and we went back and forth <laughs> I, I never acted except in wrestling so i have <laughs> acting ability but not to the level you know when you think about the rock and you think about different people how they became actors and i think that rock finally broke through because hogan never Hogan could never ever be the right actor. I don't think anything he acted in. We just knew him as Hulk Hogan. The rock right was able to change it, and he was smart. And then now you're seeing xena So it's very with John Zena, same thing. All right, so let's talk about the family again. You know, when you talk about Mister Belvedere, how much do you still get recognized, and how many fans still are there of Mister Belvedere all over the world today? I mean, it's that's the thing yeah. about these certain shows.
2: Yeah, you know, I still do get recognized, and certainly not like when the show was in its heyday when i was recognized every day wherever i went but every once in a while it's so cute you know you'd be out at a restaurant or in a line at the airport or whatever and you see people like sneaking that look at you and then they look away and then they look at you and they look away and i always go hi and they go, oh, <laughs> i loved you so much you really <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's adorable but um i was in the grocery store one day this is one of my favorite recognizing me stories i was in the grocery store one day in the frozen food department and there's this guy who worked i never saw him before but he worked at the store he was wearing his ralph's uniform and his name tag this guy was tatted from his neck to his toes he had everything pierced in his face that you could imagine (laughs) he had black greasy spiky hair he was like a scary looking dude right if you saw him except now we know that that's just a look and it's a costume and he saw me and he puts out his arms and he says oh my god it's Mrs. Belvedere and he gave me a hug this big tall scary dude and i said you are the most adorable guy i've ever seen he said I just got so shy around you but i just had to give you a hug and let you know <laughs> he turned into a five year old again it was the cutest thing i ever saw so it's those kinds of uh, moments when you get recognized and they open up to you a little bit and tell you i i've heard stories about how latchkey kids you know we were on for a long time 3 30 in the afternoon all across the country and a lot of kids would come home from school and nobody would be there for them uh which is you know it's the effect of life when you need people need to work and make money how many times people have just grabbed my hands and say you helped raise me i knew you were gonna be there every day when i came home from school and it meant so much to me so those kinds of moments are so wonderful and gratifying and it and it, it, it you know it takes you aback and say my gosh we really had an influence on people
1: that's significant yeah that's significant what what was the last year that uh mr Belvedere was produced
2: oh gosh i um i hate to even say it outside 1990 long 90. time ago. yeah yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah that's what i thought yeah
1: yeah Wow. we ushered that's
2: in I mean. the new decade
1: yeah no seriously <laughs> it was pretty terrific um Yo, Neil? All
0: right. I'm going to go just jump. Any other projects that are going on? You brought up the one for the 28th of December. Anything else you have going
2: Right. Let's see. Well, you know, I teach. I teach vocal performance. I teach a workshop. Um, my singing is very, very important to me. And uh, my husband and I have been so fortunate in this business. Uh, we have so much experience. He is a, a brilliant composer and he's done very, very well in his life and musical director, piano player and One day we looked at each other and said, I think we can share a little bit about what we know. And I think we should, I think it's the right thing to do. So we've been teaching this vocal performance workshop for oh about 10 years now. And it's, uh, it's just a great thing. People come, come to us who just love to sing and they just want to get better and so we work very closely with them in our class situation and their showcase is coming up in a couple of in the beginning of december so we're busily working getting that together getting everybody all ready for their for their big moment and um what else well this is far in the future but uh 54 below again in new york invited our daughter nika and me and ben to do their mother's day show in uh, in New York, so I was so touched and honored that they that they thought of us. So, as soon as the Christmas show is over, we're going to start working on that on that Mother's Day show. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on.
0: And promoting the events, how much work is that involved to get the next event, like <laughs> the 28th of December, and then you're talking about Mother's Day? What's nice. involved involved in, in promotion for something like that?
2: well you know you're you're a get up and go do it guy i can tell you you probably have never waited for a phone to ring in your life that you're you're out there and and i read a little bit about you and that's part of your philosophy is you got to go out and you got to get what you want you have to be organized and take steps and that's what my business has turned into you know back in the day we used to have people who did things for us like did all the organizing for a show or for a concert and they did all the mailings and they did all of the no not anymore um performers are now small businesses so i've had to learn an awful lot how to run a small business so all of the promotion i mean harlan Bull. Uh, i think you know harlan he's a he's amazing an publicist yeah. he works very hard for me and he, and he has taught me so much about what to do to get people in the seats. So I would say it's maybe 40% preparing for the show with the material and the songs and the music and 60% of the business of promoting, getting the word out. Um, It's not necessarily my favorite thing to do, but I don't dislike it. Um, It challenges a different part of my brain. To think of well how am I gonna, how am I gonna let people know how am I gonna let them know that this the holiday show is a great show it's a lot of fun, that they would you know come in come into the city and and sit there and be entertained. Um, But you're absolutely right Neil I mean so much of it is what what we as performers are now asked to do on our own
0: you know, promoting an event, different things like that. I have experience from just promoting wrestling shows. Yeah. I worked with the greatest promoters of all time and like the independents in the down South to I ran some shows myself. And it's hang, hang. it's a lot, Greg, it's a lot different. Even though the online's a big part of it now, of hanging posters, you know, getting <laughs> to groups, letting people know, you know, doing certain things just to get people in the seats, looking at groups of people who are going to buy groups of tickets, you know, who's going
2: to be interested in what you do. Right. Who's going to be interested and have each them. I mean, I've been doing these cabaret concerts, my whole career. I I just love doing it. Whether I was doing Broadway shows, I did it when I was doing the TV show, I did it. And I still, you know, I'm old enough to remember the day when I used to go to the printer, like to the printing shop, (laughs) and print out the flyers and address them by hand and mail them so that's how long i've been doing this um and uh um adapting to new ways of doing things some of which are much easier some of which are a little harder is is, it's 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 a challenge but it's a challenge i like i like to meet challenges and um whether it's i want to sing a high note for a really long time because i think it's exciting you know that's a that's a physical Singing challenge for me. I love those kind of challenges. Or a challenge of taking a student from point A to point B. What a great challenge! And uh, who's gonna like my show? How do I let them know? So yeah, it's 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 interesting.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. 1986, I'd get thousands of business cards printed out, and it would just be a little advertising in my phone number. And I'd go to parking lots and I'd put them in windshields. And I did that for two years. You and know, did anybody call you? Yeah, I did. Oh. I, I I got a lot of people and then oh, a cold, okay. co- lot of cold calling. That's really how I got started. Mm-hmm. Um then I had a guy who used to set appointments. So, it's a lot different than now. So, speaking of now, you know, so now is all tech. Um what do you do with social? Are you went to Facebook, Insta, YouTube, uh, what do you do? Yeah.
2: Well, I do Facebook. Um I must admit much to my daughter's chagrin that I am a complete nincompoop when it comes to Instagram. I just don't understand it. And I have another student of mine who's also a fabulous publicist and she <laughs> i keep saying you gotta and she's great on instagram i said i need a lesson and we went through my instagram and there's like um, so many accounts for me on instagram that i didn't start and i don't know how they happened and i don't know which one is really mine oh, so no. <laughs> it's like so, so that's
0: the easiest way to get verified then is for yeah. sure is, is they'll do that and say these are not real and you contact the people and get verified that's that's the best way if people are impersonating you it's the easiest way to get verified because they'll say even, you know, because if you would have stayed, you know, active on Twitter and Instagram, you would have been verified all the time. Oh. And that's what people do. And that's what those publicists can do sometimes as well. It just yeah. all depends because, you know, your audience, this is the funny thing, Greg, her audience for her event in December could be an audience. that's basically just New York based or always foot traffic and would say, this is perfect. I'm going to this, or yeah. I'm a fan of Eileen's I'm going to this I've seen her on Broadway it's just it's just varies of figuring out target markets for events yeah and then then you just basically throw everything against the wall and see what sticks in that
2: exactly exactly (laughs) And the, the good part is for a lot of it, because of the internet, a lot of it doesn't cost money. And it used to cost a lot of money to do all that stuff. So now it just requires being creative and being organized and not like me being savvy. <laughs> honestly,
0: I awesome. swear
2: I'm going to get it together. See, everyone
0: to thinks it. Instagram's the thing. And honestly, Instagram is the thing for a certain target market. Basically based on your target market is what you look at. Who's going to attend your event. Instagram has a specific marketplace for people of a product or service versus other places where the perfect product and services is, is Facebook. And we have no idea what's going to happen with Twitter. So be ready. You just got to always be studying things with Elon owning Twitter. Now it's going to change the social media game and it's going to pretty much make everyone have to step up their game because mm-hmm. I have a feeling Elon will do that. I believe it, I know it. I mean, if he's he did it in the space industry, right? He made everyone step up their game in the space industry. I'm sure he's gonna do it in social media. So people will have That's to- That's true.
1: Careful. They have to there be- A ready. lot of people don't realize it, but Elon was uh, one of the founders in PayPal. So you have to realize that, you know, Twitter at some point they're talking about might have some kind of blockchain technology to it, might have some payment to it. I'm hearing that to be verified. You might have to pay 20 bucks to have the blue check mark. This is oh, lots of things going on, changing, but, you know, it's definitely going to be cool. And yeah.
3: that's
0: that's Twitter blue, which they're trying to push for now and a monthly subscription. So he's smart and how he's going to monetize things. okay where we're Eileen, best place we can connect with you. Where, where can we go? Where's
2: EileenGraph.com and I am on Facebook that that I know how to do. <laughs>
0: All right, and you know, and, and all the news update me soon. Come back on again anytime when you have new projects to go on, and all these different things. And we, I promise I won't ask any impersonations. I'll ask you to sing. Maybe no, no, we'll make you sing now. So <laughs> do you want to sing a quick tune for something for our fan, for your fans?
2: Um, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Can't sing too much because then we're paying royalties, and as a family that that uh, my husband wrote the scores to lots of TV shows. So we are firmly in favor of royalties for. composers.
0: <laughs> I love it. That was fantastic. It was a great bar. If it was your own, you could do that, but I, I can't believe it. Don't, there you go. Royalties. Everybody makes money somehow, but I appreciate it. Thanks.
2: That's <laughs> right. We all got to figure out where the next dime is
0: coming from. Okay, guys, that was again, the Neil Haley show and also celebrity interviews live from the grotto with Greg Hanna. Take care guys. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Growing Older with Enthusiasm with our host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. Dr. Ron, how are you? I know you're excited about our guest today, especially when we've been talking last couple of weeks on uh, your social media about how important it is to be healthy the older you get, to to work out and all that stuff. And you talk about those things, right?
4: Yeah, so I'm absolutely excited to to talk with, with our guests because we operate in the same space. We seem to have the same philosophy and uh looking forward to to how he can help me as well as all our other listeners
0: all right all right so we're excited eric for you to join us today uh you're the c ceo of vivo is that correct is that how you say it vivo vivo and uh thanks again eric for stopping by now talk to about the journey let's go right into specifically the journey of how you became an entrepreneur how did that start
3: so I was uh, when I when I graduated college in the early '90s and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do out of college, like so many others. Uh, I I did what I think a lot of people at the time did: is you became a consultant and you you got some exposure to a lot of different industries. And what I quickly found was I had an entrepreneurial drive. I wanted to move faster. I wanted to make a greater impact. And uh, that ultimately led me to my first company, which was a, a software company in the media and entertainment space. And was very fortunate to have some success there, uh, to have an eventual exit where we sold to a larger organization. And that really put me on a different path, which was I had had this success in business, but I found it to be uh, rather unfulfilling. and i I recognized and did some introspection that I really wanted to make a difference in the world more than I wanted to succeed in a business. And so that started. That forced me to take a ninety degree turn and really transform what my mission was to what I'm doing now. Uh, but but that entrepreneurial spirit, that ability to start something, to grow something, became very very important to me. Great.
4: Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about
3: Vivo? What what do you do? So so I'll I'll, I'll start with what we do, and then maybe give you a little bit about how we got there. So Vivo is an online but live and interactive small group fitness program for older adults with a real focus on building strength. And what I found as I was doing more and more research in aging really as a result of being a remote caregiver for my own parents who, who began to experience a rather precipitous decline in their quality of life, which I found out was very typical in their mid-70s into late 70s, early 80s. And I learned a word that I'd never heard before, and that word is sarcopenia. And most people, and I I would imagine a of your listeners have never heard that word before. I certainly hadn't at the time. And sarcopenia is the progressive loss of muscle mass and strength and function as we age and really is inevitable. It's a natural part of aging for all of us, every human being on the planet. We all lose muscle mass as we age. But what I wasn't aware of is, A, there's there's a word for it, there's a condition, and B, Sarcopenia and this loss of muscle mass as we age—it's progressive. It gets, it accelerates as we get older, and it's what's so responsible for all of these issues that we deal with aging: falls, osteoporosis, type two diabetes, hypertension, um, sleep, mood, uh, dementia, Parkinson's—all of these things. Muscle mass and strength has a real factor in, and in some cases, the direct cause of these conditions. And so the more I learned about this, the more I wondered, why aren't we talking about this more? And especially as I learned interventions that you can engage in strength training, resistance training, challenging our muscles on a regular basis and increase your strength and function at any age, whether you're 25 or 95. But we're really not talking about that as a as a healthcare industry. And we talk an awful lot about walking, which is wonderful. But but there's something more that we really need to be focused on, which is around muscle mass and strength and, and creating a program. And that's what we're trying to do with Evo. So
4: just so I understand, you talked about this decline as being inevitable, but it sounds like it's, you you can interfere with it. Am I correct? You don't have to just sit on the couch or go to bed and assume, okay, this is it. I just wait for the the decline to happen.
3: That's right. And that's one of the most important things that I would want the listeners to walk away with is, you can intervene, you can interfere with this process. It is a natural part of aging, but it is accelerated as we do nothing. And if you do challenge your muscles on a regular basis, also known as resistance training or strength training, you can really slow that. And in a lot of cases you can reverse that. And so we have seen, we've been running this Vivo program now as an online program where we engage with small groups of older adults for over three years. And a part of what we do is we actually measure outcomes. So we do a one-on-one assessment with everyone that joins our program. We baseline their balance. We baseline their strength and endurance. And then we reassess. We remeasure that every two to three months. And what we see is remarkable results, remarkable increases across the board. 100% of everyone we've ever baseline assessed and reassessed has gotten stronger. 100%. It turns out that if you strength train consistently, you get stronger. Who knew? Who knew? Um, but the specifics that we are actually seeing, and we're in the middle of a large research project that's funded by the National Institute on Aging in partnership with the Duke University School of Medicine, where we are seeing an average of about a 25% increase in strength in just the first two months of doing Vivo. 25% stronger in two months is a big deal. Ah. And, and what, it, do
0: you, what do you think it that it's your secret sauce then, right? That's able to do that, right? What you've seen that what works better for older adults than other people when it comes to working out and things like that, right? So
3: it's it's really two factors. Um, The first is consistency, is getting individuals to engage on a consistent basis. If you do not exercise consistently, you will not see outcomes. So how do you get anyone, whether you're older, younger, uh, male, female, et cetera, to engage consistently? And for us, that's where this live interactive small group comes in because it's all about community and social engagement and accountability. And so we have done a healthy dose of research into behavioral science where we understand... Being accountable to a small group drives behavior. And so we're, we're creating these live interactive classes where the same people come week in, week out into every class. They get to know each other. We use prompts within our exercise classes um, that get people talking and make exercise a little more social, a little more fun, which gets people coming consistently. So that's the first thing. The second is really adapting what we do to the level of the person that we're dealing with, which, again, has so much to do with a small group and giving everyone an individualized experience. Because for those of you who are older uh, and even younger than older, health and mobility and fitness is very complex. And it's not even complex across individuals. It's complex from day to day for, for a given individual. And I don't know about you, Dr. Ron, I woke up this morning and my knees hurt. And I felt fine on Monday. And so working with a trainer, working in a program that has the ability to adapt to how you're feeling that day, but create a level of challenge. So you're still making progress. That's really, really fundamental to what we do. And I think why we've seen so much success.
4: I've got a couple of questions uh, regarding this. One of which is in general, how, how frequently do you need to do this? Uh, Are there things that you supplement on your own? And, uh, if I could turn my laptop in different ways, you'd see weights over there. There's actually cables in the
3: drawer, uh got resistance band. Uh why do I need you? <laughs> I love it. Um so the first question is the science around strength training really says that three times a week is optimal. Um three times a week may feel like a lot for people who don't do anything at all right now. So a general rule of thumb that we promote is twice a week is pretty good. So we we really see the majority of our customers, 85% of our member base comes to Vivo twice a week. And so we see wonderful results from twice a week. Once a week, if done consistently, is certainly better than zero, but once a week is really more about maintenance. And so there's nothing wrong with engaging in strength training once a week. Again, it's better than not. But we really encourage people to do this twice a week because that's where you see more significant improvements and obviously three times a week is optimal and why you need someone like us at the end of the day we feel like everybody needs a coach everybody needs a guide to walk them through this because it's complicated and unless you are really experienced with exercise unless you are really experienced with your form how to challenge yourself on a regular basis to continue to see those improvements it can be hard to monitor this yourself And the worst thing you can do is start an exercise program without really knowing if you've got good form, if you're doing things in the right way and hurt yourself. And that is the fundamental thing that we always preach. And what we really want to do is get people to a point where they can be self-sufficient. YouTube videos, apps on your phones, on, on your computer. There's a lot of ways to engage in this for free, all by yourself. Getting that foundation is really, really important in the beginning of an exercise program and working with a trained professional who understands especially the complexities of working with an older adult and especially working with an older adult with multiple comorbidities. If you've got osteoporosis, if you've got type 2 diabetes, um, if you've got uh, hypertension, uh, these are all things that impact your ability to exercise and you really need to make sure you're approaching this with caution.
0: Now... Let's talk about what are the goals? How large do you want to make this, especially working with older adults? Because we know the percentage of older adults is the biggest population in the United States. It's the biggest growing population next to, I guess, Latinx in the whole U.S. So you have a lot of people you could serve. How do you go out and find them? And what are your goals?
3: Yeah, I think I think the goal is really to create awareness and education around the importance of strength training as you age. And this is a global issue. You talked about the demographics um, in the US. This is a global issue. We are seeing this increased population. This is the largest population of older adults this, this planet has ever seen is happening right now and it's only growing. So this is something that everybody needs to do. This is quite possibly the single most important thing that we can do to maintain our health and our independence above all else, right? This is really, really critical. This allows us to do things like stand up out of a chair. When we lose our ability to stand up out of a chair or off of a toilet, we begin to lose our independence. And so knowing that it's not too late You may maybe never have exercised a day in your life and you think it's too late. It is not. So part of it is just getting the word out there about how important that there's this condition called sarcopenia that we don't know about. Um, This is happening to all of us. And there's something you can do about it is really important. We really believe that this is a global solution. As an online product, we can impact people all over the world. We have customers in other countries. We are certainly very focused on the U.S., but this is something. There's no reason why anyone across the globe could not engage in this program. Uh, yeah, and I've,
4: got, I've got one question and then a couple of comments and then I'm through. But my my question is, what I, I mentioned my equipment. What what does a person need equipment wise uh, from your vantage
3: point? So when when someone signs up for a Viva, we make an assumption that they don't have anything. So we send everybody a welcome kit, and in that welcome kit, we send two resistance bands, which are the tubes with handles. Uh, and we send a light and a medium and a door anchor so you can anchor it in your door to to use a lot of of different kinds of exercises. And we use that extensively with body weight as well. And so that's really all you ever need. Um, There's plenty of exercises that create a really sufficient level of challenge with body weight, but the resistance bands are wonderful because they create additional challenge. They give us more flexibility for the kinds of exercises that we can do. And they're gentler on the joints and the tendons and the ligaments um, to make sure that you don't get hurt, but you still get that level of challenge.
4: Okay. My, my two comments, and, and this has been really, really enlightening, but my two comments and number one, aside from what it does for the body, I mean, there's really strong science, to recommend that exercise is one of the best things you can do for your brain and to help to reduce the possibility of dementia. Uh, the other thing, just to uh, kind of verify what, what you had mentioned earlier, um, most days I when I get out of bed, I, I feel pretty good. Uh, but I do find sometimes when life interferes and I do have a regular exercise regimen and time to do it, uh and sometimes when i try to justify not doing it for, for you know 3 or 4 or 5 days in a row and that rarely happens but when i it does happen i feel it in my back my thighs and stuff in the morning and really need more time to get going so i i think that you know the reality is i suspect this is a lifelong thing that that you know it's kind of like you know healthy eating you don't reach a weight and then say okay don't have to do it anymore, but I, I assume that it's a lifelong thing if I'm at all typical in this regard.
3: I, I, yeah, and I that's such a wonderful comment, um, Dr. Ron, because um, I, I hate to outwardly say this, but what you said is absolutely the fact that you can't just do this for eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks and stop and you're done. This is something that needs to become habit, which is why we're so focused on the behavioral change aspect of this and creating that accountability. Because the fact of the matter is sarcopenia is a progressive condition. It does accelerate as you age. Believe it or not, it starts in your 30s. Our physical strength uh, peaks in our mid-20s. And in our 30s, we start to lose muscle mass naturally. And that accelerates and really begins to accelerate more in our 60s, which is why for so many of us, we feel the pains of aging in our 60s really for the first time. Um, But this is something you need to do, incorporate into your life, just like healthy eating and good sleep. Um you know, two to three times a week for the rest of your life. But if you do that, it will make such an amazing, impactful difference on your health, on your ability to remain independent and have a high quality of life.
0: You notice that intermittent fasting at ways at times can also help in that process because I'm a huge intermittent faster and I haven't been in the gym as much in the last six months, but I'm still active all the time and I feel my muscle mass keeps growing from doing it. Like like fat burns and it's just by taking seven, eight hours, not eating. I don't snack ever. And all that stuff. And I do intermittent fasting. I may have something small, but I still consider intermittent fasting for someone who's six, 10, 280 pounds. Right. And so, yeah.
3: Intermittent fasting uh, is is something I, at least time-restricted eating is something I adhere to as well. Um, It gets complicated as you get older because protein becomes a really fundamental um, source. Protein creates muscle, right? So there's something called muscle protein synthesis, which is the conversion of protein into muscle that makes us stronger. And so we really, especially as we age, that process slows down. And so we really wanna encourage older adults to eat as much protein as possible and really distribute that throughout the day. A really good rule of thumb to remember is try to get 30 grams of protein per meal as we get older intermittent fasting and skipping breakfast or skipping dinner if that's if that's what you're doing, um it just gets a little bit more complicated, especially adding in chronic conditions on top of that. So the only uh, caveat I would give to that statement is we want to make sure older adults are really focused on protein and getting that distribution throughout the day. And at times that can be odds at odds with that that concept of time restricted eating.
4: yeah, I think that uh, and and I do time restricted eating. I mean, I ate absolutely nothing between dinner and breakfast. So that's essentially a 12 to 14 hour uh, intermittent fast a day. But I think it is real important to, uh, if you're going to do it, to be knowledgeable about protein, to be knowledgeable about uh, blood sugar, things of that nature, because uh, if you do it right, you feel better. If you do it wrong, it it it's counterproductive.
3: Uh, I, I wanted to add to one other thing that you had mentioned um, just a minute ago, Dr. Ron, which is around being good for your brain. And I think that's one of the other things. There's a ton of research in the last couple of years, specifically on the benefits to brain health and cognition for engaging in not only exercise, but in strength training in particular. And we do something in vivo that I would want to um, you know, bring to the attention of all the listeners, because this is something you can also incorporate yourselves with your own exercise programs. And that's something called a dual task exercise. And you'll see this very, very commonly in programs like Parkinson's where there's boxing. Um, And what that is, it's a dual task is the simultaneous physical movement and cognitive recall. And so what we will do is we will ask people questions while they're exercising. And it can be silly. Um, We'll do, uh, you know, name as many words that begin with the letter B as possible while you're doing chair stands, go. And um, it sounds silly. Believe it or not, it's hard. Uh, It's, you know, the brain is trying to control the movement of the body and recall information, and that's really good for it. And so it's actually creating something called neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, which is really good for executive function and overall brain health. And so we do this throughout our classes, I would recommend if you're doing your own exercise programs. Think of ways to do this. Um, doing contralateral mo- movements across the body is another really, really good thing for the brain. And so there's tips and tricks that you can do within your own exercise programs that we've certainly built into what we do that are really good for stimulating that brain health.
0: Eric, where's best place we can find information on you learn more about you? Where can we go?
3: You can go to teamvivo.com. That's T-E-A-M, like you're a part of a team, and Vivo, V-I-V-O. So teamvivo.com. We have a way that you can take a free class, a free introduction. We know that exercise is intimidating, especially for older adults who maybe haven't done this in a while. So we just want to give people a safe place to go try this for free, see what it's like. We'll give, we do more talking than work than exercising that first class and just introduce you to get you comfortable to see you can do this. It's not too late. And this will make probably one of the most significant changes in your health and wellness and independence that you can possibly do for yourself.
0: All right, anything else to add Dr. Ron? Uh,
4: I well, I got lots to to ask and to add but uh given the the time constraints I really really appreciate you know what you've shared with us. I mean it's it's a ton of stuff to to you know kind of process and and utilize but I really applaud the mission because it's it's just so important.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it Eric. Thanks again. All right, that was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Guys, take care.
5: I came to fitness kind of a a roundabout way. I worked in corporate for a number of years as a fundraiser event planner at a number of universities and um, nonprofits. And um, after I worked at UM, I worked at uh, Florida International University, United Way of Broward County for five years. Um, the Parkinson Foundation, but somewhere in there I was doing fitness um, and I loved it. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection,
2: a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, Relax and let's get candid.
6: Hello everyone and welcome to the Women CEO in Reflection podcast. I'm your guest host, Rachel Lavin, the author of the Donut Diaries. And today I have the beautiful, amazing Shiva
5: Carfania.
6: Yes, and we are going to talk to her about all the amazing things she's doing, not only in her community, but for herself, for her family, and how we can stay ageless. So I am going to go ahead and just turn it over to you. What I'd like you to do first is just tell people a little bit about you, your background before this job, and then we'll go into that. Okay.
5: Perfect. Perfect. Rachel, thank you so much for having me on. I so appreciate you selecting me to be on your podcast. It's quite an honor to work with you again. Um, you do wonderful work. The Donut Diaries, I'm so happy for you. It's so very successful. So just wanted to mention that. It's a great book. And so we've got a couple of copies around here. Um, so so here's my story. Um, I came to fitness kind of a, a roundabout way. I worked in corporate for a number of years as a fundraiser event planner at a number of universities and um nonprofits and um after i worked at um i worked at uh, florida international university united way of broward county for five years um the parkinson foundation but somewhere in there i was doing fitness um and i loved it and um and somewhere in there, I, I got married and had a son and who is a who turned out to be a special needs individual which is quite a blessing usually when you say that people go Oh, that was so terrible. Um, but it's been quite a blessing for me. Um, and so with the corporate jobs, I had to you know, request time off. And you know, I said, no, nah, I can't do this. I can't do this and still be a great mom. So after taking many classes and being a devoted student, I decided to go out on my own and do this fitness thing back in 2005. So I founded my company, Panache Fitness and Wellness, and set out to change the world. And little did I know, my trainer before had me as a, it was. I was an apprentice, so we would get up at quarter to four in the morning before I had to trek off the University of Miami. And he would line us up and train all of us. But I was a prototype, so I was actually in college, learning how to become kind of like a uh, a bodybuilder, if you will. Back then, back in 1997, it was more about bodybuilding and how you look, but. Um, I soon realized that I could do that. I had another mentor who taught me how to teach. So teaching is another gift to learn how to teach people and um, kind of influence them and get that fire going on. And so I stopped, quit my corporate job and just went out and said, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, Fortunately, I had the presence to know that I, for me, this wouldn't work. I didn't want a gym. So I didn't want a bricks and mortar. What I did was I turned it into a service. For five-star hotels and spas, which kind of aligned with my corporate background, but to deliver fitness services. So if you fast forward, what that means is um I deliver fitness services, whether they're personal training, fitness classes, um, gym renovations, fitness equipment, fitness servicing. So I wear many different hats um, that was established around 2013, where I decided that I wanted to do more. And then from there, because I've been doing this 17 years, I've come across this whole notion of wellness, which is kind of timely and and bringing in wellness and trying to be ageless. And I think that turn happened to me in 2018 um, when I had a hip replacement. So I had a hip replacement in April of 2018. I went back to work in eight days as a personal trainer because I prehabbed and then consequently rehab. And then I had a joint toe replacement four weeks later on the opposite foot, okay? And four weeks later, I was at Special Olympics in um, Seattle with my son. So it was kind of a whirlwind kind of thing. And then I said, you know what? I really wanna talk to people about joint toe replacements conditions, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, cancer, breast cancer. Andrea Leonard gives out a great presentation how to work with women with breast cancer, I've, you know, menopause, things that people don't want to talk about. And, you know, you referred to me as sassy before, but I love to talk about things people don't want to talk about. As you age, no one wants to talk about things. Everyone wants you to figure it out, you know? And so that's how I fell into this, kind of like passionately, but all along under the auspices of spending more time with my son and then working with special needs individuals is so important because they are the forgotten population, very much so. So, you know, people really don't understand how to interact with special needs individuals. But more importantly, their level of fitness is not where it should be because they are in the a forgotten population. The parents are typically overwhelmed, which I am. My son is 33. And so a lot of time goes into that, and parents go with that sacrifice. So the parents don't get to work out. And then the special needs individuals don't get the workout. And so focus has become kind of keened in on that. And so that's what brings me to the present. I have a whole a number of certifications, certified pretty much in everything but yoga. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up here.
6: Yeah. I wanna continue with the special needs conversation just a little bit because I think you and I had a conversation that I have a client who is special needs. So to when you say the forgotten population, I think that is so true. And I think that it's so amazing that that is a part of your business and a part of your passion your love for fitness to include those, dare I say it again, forgotten people because we're all human beings. Whether we come in a package that is special needs or we come in a package that is different We all need to move our body and we all need to take care of the vessel that we come in. So talk to me a little bit more about what you do in your community for special needs.
5: Well, currently I serve on the executive committee for Special Olympics Miami-Dade. And Gino is very active with Special Olympics. He's three times uh, on the state of Florida baseball team going to national games. So we went Last time we went was 2022, so I get to travel, but I do a lot of advocates work for free because there is no book on how to raise a special needs individual. So if you've gone through the system and at 33 years, I've been pretty much through the system to tell individuals how to get what they need or how to navigate the system, because there's a lot of moms out there and dads, of course, who don't understand how to navigate the system and are so frustrated and so, you know, I've always said that I've wanted my son, Gino, to be not just in the community, but a productive member of the community. So he's worked at Publix for 16 years. And so he continues to be a part of the community, a productive part going to work because oftentimes they're the forgotten populations because the expectation bar is set so low. So obviously, depending on the special needs you have to make adjustments and accommodations like you do with any client. And I think I got started in this with Miami-Dade County working with special needs camps. One year I had five camps in the summer, ran all over. And we had a fella, Alex, who was in a wheelchair. And so you say to me, well, what did you do with him in a park that would have him be inclusive in this? All right. And so what we used to do is have the races and Alex would start the races. So he was included. It's all about inclusion. And you find that as I went on with adults, and that's how I pivoted into this joint replacement, aging kind of uh, scenario. Because quite honestly, as you get older, you do become part of the forgotten population, forgotten generation. As a baby boomer, what I'm saying is we're starting to live longer and people want to take care of themselves more and they want to empower some sense of where to go, how do I fix this, whatever this is, and be inclusive. And so that's when it really switched to this whole notion of being ageless, and empowering the ageless mindset. So it's kind of evolved all the way. I'm happy to say
0: you're so smart in the fact that the population, uh, the seventy, there's a pretty large population of the of people over 65 that really can utilize this and and, and the whole ageless thought process and there's so many that need that help so they don't end up in nursing home they don't end up in assisted living they end up being able to live on their own together so it's such a such an important thing that you're doing and the special needs oh my gosh uh, I was an educational advocate for x amount of years uh representing families with IEPs when I was a had a tutoring business and uh I, I totally fight for them all the time and it's uh it's great what you're doing for sure Thank you so much.
5: It's really tough when you go to an IEP meeting. I used to, I remember when I used to go to the IEP meetings for my son, and you're the only parent there. Sometimes the dad can't attend, but you're sitting there with all of these experts who haven't read the file, who've not met the child and who kind of gang up on you for lack of a better word. And so one of the ways that I got around that, I learned early on is you have to win them over. So you don't, because you need to get what you need to get. And so what I would do at the you know. I would say to them, well, you know, they would say to me, Gino's only going to have an IQ of, he only has an IQ of 50. He didn't talk to, he was seven, you know, and I used to sit back and say, do you have children? And they would look at me and go, yes, because they really didn't want to answer. Well, all you want is the best for your children, just like me, you know? And then I'd start to cry and there wasn't a dry eye in the house because then they don't look at it as a file that's sitting there. They're looking into a mother's eyes and as a mother, or father, parent, let me say, we're at a different time. Um, that's really all you want, you know? And so a special needs individual is one that is certified and gets benefits. There's many special needs individuals who are not certified and who are <laughs> successful in corporations, for sure, okay? A lot of the clients, let me say this, a lot of the clients we work with, because we work in an exclusive island on in Miami, uh, millionaires and billionaires, we're blessed to do that, are special needs, but extremely successful. So when they came along during their seventies, they either institutionalized you, called you retarded, or you managed and got by. And so we have one client who is an attorney of a su- very successful law firm who is Aspergers. I mean, I can walk in and see who's Aspergers. We have some that are ADD, and aside from that, the re- joint replacements, you know, the 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 scoliosis. I'm very big on posture you know, and on that positive, positive mindset that you're not aging, you're aging well. Everybody likes a fine wine it's aged well. Everyone likes aged meat. If you eat meat, you know, everyone likes the idea of aging, but in America, the association with